Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? It is episode number 11 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Welcome. Thank you again for tuning in. I am Timmy G, your favorite season ticket holder. Facebook, Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud. I'm sure Spotify, iTunes. I've I've mentioned them all. You guys have heard them all. Thank you guys so much for coming back to another episode of the Banner Banter Podcast. Tomorrow is opening night. Tomorrow, the Celtics season starts. Tomorrow, the NBA season starts. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Episode 11, Banner Banter Podcast. Got a lot to talk about this week. Banner Banter Investigation, Celtic Stud and Dud of the Week, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving. Preview the three games that the Celtics have this week. The Celtics have three games this week that count. Okay, thanks. I just need a little moment right there, just a little moment of silence because my life is basically over. Now, uh, what this is just going to be absolutely ridiculous these next couple weeks because... Yeah, it's gonna, it always takes me a little bit to actually realize that the Celtics are officially back. But now the Celtics are back starting tomorrow, opening night, 8 p.m., TNT, TD Garden, you name it. There's so many people are going to be watching. We're playing the 76ers. So much hype, especially after our second round series with them last year in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But we'll get to all that in a little bit. But first off, just want to kind of catch up on some things that have been going on with the Celtics. And first and foremost, Terry Rozier. Scary Terry has been around the rumor mill this week a great deal probably one of the most talked about players around the rumor mill minus jimmy butler and the minnesota timberwolves so first off i just want to give a shout out to jimmy butler if all those stories are true and he just walked into practice and told everyone to go f themselves and grabbed a bunch of third team g league players and beat all the starters on the timberwolves that's just an incredible story and i wish i was there to see it but anyways terry rogier and the Celtics are trying to work out a contract extension. Danny Ainge confirmed that on Toucher and Rich last week. The Celtics have until today, Monday, October 15th, to actually extend his rookie deal. If he doesn't do the extension, he can sign a qualifying offer. Or if he doesn't do that, he can become a restricted free agent going into the summer, where, as we all know, that the salary cap is going up a huge deal. There are rumors going around that he wants somewhere between 15 to $20 million and be a starting point guard. And to be honest with you, that's completely fair of Terry. He proved himself not only in the regular season coming off the bench, he then proved himself when Kyrie got hurt, when he became the starter, and then obviously he did great things in the, you know, with the Bucks in the first round. He was okay in the second round against the 76ers, and then he played pretty well in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs. So a lot of NBA teams need a starting point guard. You know, look at what's happening with the San Antonio Spurs. One of their starting point guards, Murray, I forget his last name, having, uh, his first name, having a brain fart on his first name, but he tore his ACL. They just lost another one. But obviously the Spurs aren't going to be spending money on, you know, Terry Rozier to be their starting point guard where, you know, they have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Gasol and things like that. I know Paul Gasol is old and is not going to play much longer, but again, he... He demands a lot of money. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Celtics do, especially because 
Wick Grosbeck said that he loved what Kyrie had to say, but there is nothing concrete about the comment that he made. And I agree with Wick, and we talked about that. What Kyrie, sure, got all the fans hyped, kind of got all the, the dark clouds that were going to cover the Celtics this season because basically every city that he was going to go to, he was going to get asked, hey, do you know where you're going? Hey, have you thought about your plans yet? And Kyrie said, yeah, I want to resign here. But Wick said something great and said, yes, we loved what he said, but nothing is concrete. Now, if you're the Celtics, you want to make sure that you have not only a good relationship with Kyrie this summer, or I'm sorry, this season, and also Terry, because if Kyrie says, screw you guys, I'm going to the Knicks, or I'm going here, I'm going there, and he doesn't actually come back, you want to make sure that Terry is happy enough to re-sign here for a reasonable amount of money. So the Celtics have to tread lightly this summer with both of their point guards, because if they lose both Terry and Kyrie Irving, guess what? Your starting point guard is going to be Marcus Smart, and that means I'm out. See you later. All set. Bye-bye. Now, the interesting thing is, is sure, the Celtics could have a chance to have three top 10, I'm sorry, two top 10 picks and one top 15 pick in this upcoming draft. They obviously have the Kings pick wherever they go. If the Memphis Grizzlies pick is outside the top eight, they got that. So if the Memphis Grizzlies finish ninth, we have that. And then they have the Clippers pick. And I believe that's top 14 protected. So if the Clippers don't make the playoffs, but they finish 15th, worst record, the Celtics will have, let's say, the second pick, the ninth pick, and the 15th pick in the draft. But the thing that sucks about it is Darius Gardland from Vanderbilt, he's probably your highest projected point guard, and he would it would be a reach to take him outside the top 12 because this upcoming draft is stacked with a bunch of wing players, and as we know, we already have a bunch of wing players on our team right now to the point where Marcus Smart, um, I'm sorry, Marcus Morris will not get that many minutes. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Celtics tread lightly, not only with Kyrie, but also Terry Rozier. You know, knock on wood, Terry Rozier doesn't have the injury history that Kyrie has. So does that turn on the Celtics a little bit? And they could save some money, which because it saves them money, guess what? You can now give more money to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum when their contracts are up. So it's going to be very interesting to see because the Celtics did kind of survive without Kyrie, but... They don't have that score, that go-to guy at the end. And I don't I don't think Terry Rozier is that guy. I think Terry Rozier is a great NBA player, but he's not something that teams are going to go after and focus on, and you can rely on clutch scoring. Like, sure, I understand the big three that Terry Rozier hit in round one against the Bucs, and then Chris Middleton came back and then went into overtime. Sure, Terry has made some big shots, but like Kyrie is clutch. He really is. The NBA GM survey that came out last week, that I, that I was talking about, talking about who you want the ball with the game on the line, everyone talked about Kyrie. Kyrie was in that top five discussion, and that's big because he has those type of balls to take those type of shots. I just don't know if Terry does, and if he does, we just haven't seen it yet. Now, speaking about Kyrie Irving, we have to talk about him and Gordon Hayward. They have not practiced a lot lately, and obviously... They did not play in the last two preseason games, and it's kind of concerning, especially with Gordon Hayward, but not with Kyrie. Kyrie has had some sore ribs, not a crazy issue, so it's good to see that it's not a knee issue or nothing ailing. He probably just got hit the wrong way. He has some sore ribs, but according to Brad Stevens, both of them will be ready for opening night, and they're both planning on playing them with back-to-backs. Now, speaking of backs, Gordon Hayward has had a sore back because, according to him, 
This is what he had to say. Because of not playing for so long, he has taken some time to rest his body and adjust and then readjust. It's very frustrating, but it's better right now. My back's been going on for a bit. Like even when he was like in Utah, this has been going on. But it's progressively have gotten worse since I've had this injury. I think in the past it's bothered me, but it's always gone down and been fine. This time it was getting worse. So it's very interesting to see how this recovery process for Gordon is now affecting his back because sure you can get all the strength back in your ankle where you broke it where you basically destroyed it but how is the rest of your body going to react playing these NBA minutes and these are only preseason games where his where his back hurts so I'm a little concerned not about Kyrie but I am concerned about Gordon Hayward where you know did the Celtics know about these back issues going in when they re-signed him or I'm sorry signed him as a free agent last year it's going to be very interesting to see how they play him on a minutes restriction because Brad said that most likely Gordon will probably have a minute restrictions to start but will be playing him back to back so is Gordon going to come off the bench now is Gordon going to start but then we'll have a different starting lineup in the second half it's it's a lot to think about if you're Brad Stevens and you 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 don't want to drive Gordon into the ground right away I and I and I really think that after the way the Celtics played in the preseason, we're going to, this might not just be like a dominating team to start. They might realize, hey, as long as we get in that top two or three spots, we'll be fine come playoff time because we'll try our best to win on the road because let's be honest, the Celtics can't win on the road. But they're going to take this this season saying, you know what's more important to us? The playoffs, not the regular season. So it's going to be a very interesting approach now that Gordon has this bad back and maybe he's going to be our sixth man. Maybe Gordon comes off the bench with Terry and Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart and Aaron Baines and Daniel Tice. It will be very, very interesting to see how Brad plays all this out and how much he trusts Gordon's body as it comes back from this injury. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter Investigation Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is about former Celtics player Purvis Ellison. But right away, we have to talk about his son, Malik Ellison. And you're probably asking yourself why. And don't don't worry, this is going to be like the circle of life. Everything's going to come together. So Malik Ellison is a junior, and he just transferred from St. John to Pitt. And he will be playing under Jeff Capel, who used to be a former Duke basketball assistant. And the reason why I led with that is because Purvis Ellison will always be known for his big national championship win in 1986 when he was playing for Louisville against Duke University, Coach K, Jay Billis, and Johnny Dawkins. He was a freshman at that time, and he finished the game 10 of 14 shooting, 25 points, 11 rebounds, 2 blocks, and one most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament. So you see how that all comes together? Purvis Ellison beat Duke as a freshman in the national championship game, and now his son is playing for a former Duke player and Duke assistant, the circle of life, Naasa Pena, or Akuna Matata, whatever they say in that thing. So he was a huge, huge talent coming out of high school, Purvis Ellison was, obviously won a national championship. Louisville didn't win another national championship while he was there, but his junior and senior year, he averaged 17 points and eight rebounds. He was then selected number one overall by the Sacramento Kings on June 27th. Keep that in mind. June 27th, 1989. He had some injuries right away, and he only played 32 games in his first season. 
some were calling Purvis Ellison and his performance in the NCAA tournament and in college, they were going to call him the next Big Russell. Big Russell. Bill Russell. <laughs> I can't believe I just messed that up, and I'm not going to edit that out because I'm sure people will laugh at that. Now, this wasn't your average comparison to Bill Russell like, you know, Tommy Heinsohn called Greg Steemsma the next Bill Russell due to his timing with block shots. A lot of NCAA basketball experts and NBA scouts were calling him the next Bill Russell because of how quick he could get up and down the floor, how quick he could get up and down to go get a rebound, how long his arms were, how big his hands were to block shots, and it was all very interesting. Now, on June 25th, 1990, he was a part of a huge three-team deal. Now, remember, June 27th, 1989, he got drafted. June 25th, 1990, guess what? He got traded. So literally, he was drafted number one, and then less than a year later, even though he was teammates with Danny Ainge, he was teammates with Danny Ainge on that Sacramento Kings team. And look at this. Danny Ainge is now making the Celtics look delicious. Okay? So less than a year later, he got traded to a part of a three-team deal with the Bullets and the Jazz. The Jazz sent, you know, NBA legends like Bob Hainer and Eric Lackner and three picks in the 1990 draft to the Kings. That's a lot of people. Now, again, that was sarcasm with Bob Hainer and Eric Lochner. The Bullets then sent a 1991 second-round pick to the Kings. So the Kings got four draft picks and two players. The Bullets got Jeff Malone, uh, The Bullets sent Jeff Malone to the Jazz, and then the Kings sent Purvis Ellison to the Bullets. Now, a lot of people are probably asking, who are the Bullets? They are what used to be, or what are now, the Washington Wizards. They were called the Bullets. Obviously, people got butt hurt, and then they are now the Wizards. So, three-team deal between the Bullets, or the Wizards, and the Jazz, and the Kings, to trade Purvis Ellison, the number one draft pick, the next Bill Russell, less than a year after he got drafted. Now, when he came back from some of his injuries, he got 20 points a game and 11 rebounds, and he was the most improved player in the NBA. He actually won that award in his first year when he was playing for the Bullets. He then had some knee problems in 1992 and 93, and guess what he did in 1994? He signed with the Boston Celtics, and there was a lot of hype behind that team. Dino Raja, D. Brown, Purvis Ellison, Eric Montross, Dominique Wilkins, like, yes, the high-flying Dominique Wilkins. Remember, I talked a couple weeks ago about Xavier McDaniels. He signed as a free agent as well. Sherman Douglas was on that team. And Chris Ford was the coach of that team. And guess what? They sucked. They stunk. They didn't even make the playoffs. They had a losing record. Huge disappointment. So then in 1996, Purvis Ellison, and this was kind of like his, the end of his career, he broke his toe while he was moving furniture. Like, are you kidding me? If I could give him the Celtics dud of the week, I would, but we're only doing that on the current Celtics team. And I'm not going back to 22 years ago. So after all that, he didn't really play a lot. And he only played with the Celtics until 2000. And in that time, from 94 to 2000, he had a possibility of playing in 425 games with the Celtics. And he only played in 193. And he made almost $11.5 million. So he missed almost 300 games. About 250 games he missed. And he made $11.5 million. But here I am podcasting. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable how much these athletes make, even when they miss time, but especially when they broke their toes moving furniture. Get out of here. But after that, he coached his son Malik that I talked about earlier in AAU for a majority, if not all, of his AAU career. And he also has a daughter named Asia, who's a senior this year. She played at Maryland didn't really get a lot of playing time, and she's transferring this year to Texas A&M. And that is your banner banter investigation about Purvis Ellison, arguably one of the top 10 
biggest number one draft pick busts in NBA history. Alrighty. The Celtics made some moves this week. Obviously, they have to because they have to get their regular season roster down to 15 players. And first, they traded Anthony Bennett from the main Red Claws to the LA Clippers affiliate in the G League for James Michael McAdoo. He played for the Warriors for a little bit. You know, had a fun little stint with them for about 10 games, but he's also a UNC player, so I hope he does terrible. All right, last Tuesday, the... Celtics announced that Nick King and Jeff Robertson were released from the team. They only had training camp offers, so obviously they had to, you know, just make a formal announcement that these guys were getting released. And now the Celtics have some decisions to make, and I think they already made that decision with the announcement that happened on Saturday for their final roster spot. They released Marcus George Hunt, who some believe will make that final roster spot, that 15th roster spot, but they really can't do anything until the NBA and the Celtics make a decision on Jabari Bird. So Jabari Bird looks like he will be on the opening night roster. He probably will not be on the team, but he will be on the opening night roster. And this is what it's going to kind of look like. I am going to say that the Celtics are going to get rid of Jabari Bird sooner rather than later. So opening night, this is what it will look like with Jabari Bird. And I'll I'll kind of break it all down. So guards, you'll have Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Brad Wanamaker, and Jabari Bird. Now, I think about a week into the season, Jabari Bird will be replaced by Marcus George Hunt. Keep an eye out on that. And then your wings are going to be Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, Semi Ojale, and Yershon Yabaselli. And then your big men are going to be Baines, Horford, Tice, and Robert Williams. So who does that leave out? Looks like Walt Lemon Jr. and P.J. Dozier are probably going to go up to Maine. And depending on how Marcus George Hunt is, you know, I could see P.J. Dozier or Walt Lemon Jr. based on injuries. I could see those guys kind of doing what James Young did or, you know, Abdel Nader did, you know, a few years ago by, you know, on a Tuesday night you'll see him up in Maine, but on a Friday night you'll see him at the Garden. You know, just to make sure that they have a full bench, ready to go no matter what happens. I think one of the great things about this roster, and Brad said it best uh, at a practice earlier last week, is he said he could change the starting lineup night to night or even half to half. He's fully expecting you know, to start the game one way and then having a different starting lineup for the second half. And that could be you know, like with Gordon Hayward. You know, Maybe they ha- give Gordon Hayward some late minutes to start the game and he comes off the bench, but then to start the second quarter, guess what? Your starting lineup in the second half has Gordon Hayward involved. So it's going to be very interesting. I think it's it's great because one of the cool things that I, I feel like not a lot of people have talked about is, sure, the Celtics have some tape for teams to see on how how Kyrie and Terry and Marcus Smart and Horford and all those guys play together, but they don't have any tape on Gordon Hayward Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie, and Al Horford all on the floor together. Sure, they have some preseason stuff, but Brad wasn't running anything for Gordon Hayward or Kyrie Irving in the preseason because he just wanted them to get back in basketball shape, get back to their habits. And I think that's very, very, I think that's a good thing. Actually, a friggin' great thing for the Celtics to have to know that there's not a lot of tape out there. So maybe they can start off the season hot and then realize, okay, hey, let's get some rest for some players. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they do that. But I really think that the final 15 roster spots are set for opening night. Jabari Bird will be on it, which is disappointing, but I understand. And Marcus George Hunt sure should, should, should be replacing him real, real soon. So let's talk about the upcoming games this week, because I think that's probably the most important part of why we're here. The Boston Celtics are back. They got three games this week, 76ers, Raptors, and the Knicks. So tomorrow night, 
Tuesday, October 16th, 8 p.m. It's on TNT. If you got Comcast, that's 8.33. I have no idea what it is on any other station. Don't freak out if the Celtics lose this game. Let's just get that right out of the way. Just don't, please don't freak out. I know your national media is going to be like, oh, the 76ers, are they the team to beat in the East after one game? No. Nope. Kyrie's got to get back into the swing of things. Gordon's got to get back into the swing of things. Daniel Tice has to get back into the swing of things. They're going to be fine. So if they lose opening night, I don't expect them to. I do think they're going to win. But if they lose, it's okay because guess what? They still play them three more times. Obviously, I believe the next one's Christmas. And then they got another one with them, I think, in February, right after the All-Star break, and then closer towards the end of the season, I believe, in March. So as long as we can win that tiebreaker with them, so if we lose this one and then win the next three against them, cool, super-duper, well worth it. That's the way I look at it. We want to make sure we win this division. We are playing arguably in the toughest division in the NBA with three of the best teams. Sure, the Nets, blah. They're improving every day, and the Knicks, well, they just suck in plain English. But when you look at some of the other divisions in the league, the Western Conference is just tough, but the teams are split up well enough where it's not crazy. But you could have the top three seeds in the East all come from the Atlantic Division. You could have the Celtics, the Raptors, the 76ers. They could be one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. Now, I know I made some predictions about the Bucks maybe finishing fourth or fifth, but if Giannis Antetokounmpo plays as well as he has in this preseason, I could easily see the Bucks moving up to the third seed and knocking down the Pacers or the 76ers a notch because he looks friggin' ridiculous, and it's only the preseason. If Giannis Antetokounmpo can take that next step, the Bucks are going to be more dangerous than the 76ers, the Raptors, or the Pacers to the Celtics because a lot of people forget about Chris Middleton. He's really, really good. They, the Bucks just cut Tyler Zeller, and for some odd reason, Tyler Zeller gave us a hard time in the playoffs last year. So keep an eye out on the Bucks. I think the first time we play them is Thursday night, November 1st at 8 o'clock at the Garden. It's going to be on TNT. That's going to be a big game, and obviously the rivalry is still there, especially with Scary Terry and Eric Bledsoe. So keep an eye out on that. And a couple things I'm looking for in the opening night game is is there still bad blood between these two teams? I think there is. I don't think these teams like each other. I love, I hope Marcus Morris and Joel Embiid get into it again. I love it. They both love trash talking. And they both know they're doing it for the fans. And I'm all about that. And then I'm interested to see how much Markel Fultz plays for the 76ers. Is he going to start for them? Is he going to come off the bench? Because if that's if he does come off the bench, it's going to be Fultz versus Rogier. And I think that could be a really fun matchup. I, I don't think Fultz is a great defender, so I think Terry can have a field day with him. And then again, I don't think Terry Rogier is the greatest defender either. So will Fultz kind of get back into the swing of things? I'm, I'm very interested to see how Fultz and Rogier impact this game. I do think the Celtics bench is much deeper and much better than the 76ers. But again, you know, Ben Simmons, if all these workout videos are true, that he actually has a jump shot, this kid could be the real deal in... in it could be very difficult for a lot of these Celtics wing players to defend him because then who are you going to put Kyrie on? J.J. Redick? Kyrie will get tired very easily running around because J.J. Redick just runs around in circles until he catches the ball. And J.J. Redick this preseason has shot the ball very, very well. All right, on Friday the 20th, ESPN, 8 o'clock in Toronto, the Celtics hopefully poop in Drake's face because I don't like Drake because Drake will probably be there overreacting you know now he's a Conor McGregor fan Kentucky fan he better not come our way he is not accepted in any way shape or form so I hope the Celtics destroy 
the Raptors on Friday night. It could be, to me, the most important game of the week. Because it, if they lose the 76ers, they can't lose to the Raptors too. But if they beat the 76ers and then they beat the Raptors, they can be like, guess what? We're here to play. This is our division. We own this. Let's go. I'm, I'm really excited. And I'm, very, and I'm really interested to see Celtics with Gordon Hayward. And then the Raptors are also a new team because they got Kawhi Leonard. So I think it's going to be a great matchup because who's Kawhi Leonard going to defend? Is he going to defend Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie, Jason Tatum? Al Horford? No, probably not Al Horford, but who who is Kawhi Leonard going to guard? Who is going to basically not score any points because Kawhi Leonard's arguably one of the best defenders in the league? I can't wait to see it. And then Saturday night, the Celtics had their first back-to-back on the road, Raptors, and then the Knicks, 7.30 Saturday night. And it'll be interesting to see. I'm not you know worried about the Knicks in any way, shape, or form. The Celtics should win that game. The Celtics have an opportunity to go 3-0. I want I'd be content with a two and one first week, but the Celtics do have an opportunity to go three and zero here, and I'm just interested to see how much Gordon and Kyrie play in this first back to back. I know they don't want to overdo it, but at the same time, just see maybe where they're maybe play them and see where they're at physically and mentally about doing this back to back. So I'm I'm really interested in Friday night's game more than I am on opening night against the Raptors. And then obviously next week on episode 12 of the podcast, I'll recap all three games and then we'll talk more about the upcoming games. Cause I think on Monday, the 22nd or the yeah, Monday, the 22nd, they, they play the magic. So we'll preview that game a little bit as well. Big week for the Celtics, two nationally televised games, and then a big game at the garden, especially with how bad Knicks fans want Kyrie to play at Madison square garden. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. And now, let's do this. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, let's get into it. It is time for the Celtics stud and dud of the week. And this week's stud is Jason Tatum. What else is new? I mean, the kid's a stud in plain English every day of the goddamn week. But anyways, Jason Tatum is your stud of the week because he made the cover of Slam Magazine and he gave an awesome tribute to Nelly. It's a picture of Jason Tatum from the chest up in his Celtics uniform with a little Band-Aid right over his cheek, just like Nelly used to do back in the day when Nelly's career was slowly, slowly fading. And I just need to say this, and I know this has nothing to do with the podcast, but Nelly's second album, Nellyville, is one of the greatest albums that has ever happened to me, and it should be one of the greatest albums that has ever happened to you too. So start listening to it. Shout out to my buddy Dave, because that song, The Gank, changed our lives, and and, and it's just perfect. But anyways, not only did he make the cover of Slam Magazine, but he also called out Danny and Kyrie at the Celtics Gala event. It's kind of like the Celtics little before season event for everyone who works in the organization and Kyrie and him were going back and forth about how Kyrie only played 11 games at Duke and he was still the number one pick and Jason was like well I would have been the number one pick but that's Danny's fault I didn't go number one so that's just super funny that you know Tatum knew he was Tatum knew that Danny was going to select him number one but Danny had to do his thing 
and make sure that he got some trades, got a good deal out of it. <laughs> and so just shout out to Jason Tatum for just keeping it 100, especially from being from St. Louis and for just calling out Kyrie and Danny at the Celtics Gala the other night. And then the Celtics dud this week, and this one might be a stretch, is Jalen Brown. He admitted that he was fasting during the playoffs. Now, I understand why people fast. I get the religious aspect of it. I get the the humbleness of it, you know, because not everyone is blessed as you are. And, you know, and how it kind of builds energy. I don't get that part of it. But, oh, sure, if you can persuade me, maybe I'll believe it. But he admitted he did it during the Eastern Conference Finals. What? Why? You're guarding LeBron James, the best player in the world. What? Why Why are you not eating? Eat everything. Bulk up. That is a grown-ass man you're guarding out there. And sure, Marcus Morris, I know, took some of the minutes, but, like, you, what? Don't fast during during the Eastern Conference Finals. Eat up. Eat that pasta. Get moving. Get some bulk on you. Muscle LeBron just like he muscled you all series. Like, I know Jalen Brown played very well in the Eastern Conference Finals, so maybe it worked for him. I'm not saying he should do that across an 82-game season, but... When I think about trying to man up to LeBron James, the last thing I think of is, yeah, I'm not going to eat food. It just doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. So those are your Celtic stud and duds of the week. Holy guacamole. I'm so excited. Tomorrow night, (laughs) opening night, TD Garden. I'll be in section 315. Come on by. The place is going to be effing rocking in plain English. Let's go Celtics. I can't wait for the, the Jumbotron player introduction video last year's with the drones for as long as I've had my season tickets arguably top two best that I've ever seen obviously the best one is the year that KG first came with his "Ah," that you hear in the intro that one was just unbelievable but last year with the drones I don't know what it was I just thought it was such a cool idea such a great aspect I don't know I it just every single time I saw it I just really enjoyed it all right Tim shut up now no one wants to hear you talk anymore at Banner Banter Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banner 18 on the Twitter machine, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, you name it. That's where we are. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Please let your family, your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers, your favorite strangers, even if you hate someone, just reach out to them. Tell them that you love them and just, you know, let them know that the Banner Banner Podcast can bring everyone together. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Peace. I can't believe opening night's tomorrow night. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.